We also have event rentals. We do lots and lots of weddings at the Battle Freeman and the Jemison House. One of my favorite events that we were able to host for a group was this group of high school kids. And they were all in, they're all into acting. And the young lady wanted to have a clue birthday party. Oh my. And yeah, it was so cool. So one of the local acting directors wrote a script for the clue board game to take place inside the Jemison mansion. And it was so cool. I was like, Joey, I need a copy of this. I want to use this for a fundraising event. No kidding. That's a wonderful idea. It was so, yeah. And so, you know, I have this giant candelabra that's on the dining room table, probably weighs 30 pounds. And I'm like, well, obviously the butler did it with a candelabra in the dining room. <laughs> that was Will Hawkins, the executive director of Historic Tuscaloosa, located in Tuscaloosa, Alabama telling us about a unique birthday party that took place in one of the five landmark properties that Historic Tuscaloosa preserves and operates. Welcome to another episode of Preservation Oaks. In this series, we introduce you to professionals from museums, cultural, genealogical, and historical societies across the United States. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Good day, everyone. Thanks for being here. Back in the great state of Alabama, we have an excellent program for you today. For this episode, we greet Will Hawkins, the Executive Director of Historic Tuscaloosa, located in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We'll learn all about when and how the organization began, what the mission of Historic Tuscaloosa is, and other interesting topics. Whether you're an individual, family, business, or foundation, find out how you can help them fulfill their admirable mission. If you're a resident in the local area, this episode will help you understand what historic Tuscaloosa has to offer, how you can participate and take advantage of the worthwhile events they sponsor, and how to best support them by volunteering and donating. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe coming to you from Salt Lake City, and this is Preservation Oaks, the internationally syndicated original talk program on MicroStream Radio, where we feature information about museums, cultural, and heritage institutions historical and genealogical societies across the United States. By the way, our main platform is preservationoaks.podbean.com, but you can find us on nearly all podcast platforms as well as TikTok, Facebook, Odyssey, and YouTube. So wherever you listen to the program, I appreciate it very much when you like, comment, follow, or subscribe. Many of our listeners listen to the program while driving in the car. If you're listening and you'd like to be a guest on the program, or if you have questions or comments about the program, spin off an email to preservationoaks at gmail.com. Our next episode of Preservation Oaks will be a different type of episode. 
where we take a deeper dive into historical and preservation societies. We've been asking ourselves why and how these organizations began, what value are they to society and our communities, why they're valuable in today's world, and why our citizens should volunteer and support them. I've learned a lot more than I ever thought I would about historical and preservation societies, and I think listeners will enjoy hearing about this topic as well. I'm looking forward to it. All right, that all being said, let's get this show snapping. Our historical April events for this episode. In 1778, Oliver Pollock invented the dollar sign, believe it or not. In 1792, the United States Congress passed the Coinage Act and the United States Mint was born. In 1892, Harry Luce was born. He was the founder of Time, Life, Fortune, and Sports Illustrated magazines. He has been called the most influential private citizen in the America of his day. In 1892, the Treaty of Paris became effective. Spain relinquished control over Cuba and also ceded Puerto Rico, Guam, and the Philippines to the United States. In 1906, the deadliest earthquake in the United States with an estimated moment magnitude of 7.9 happened in Northern California, killing more than 3,000 people. Now, April 28th is National Arbor Day. You can support the greening of our country by joining the Arbor Day Foundation, and I hope you do. Thanks to peoplad.com for the historic April events. Let's drink a little tea. Little Twinings tea. I love Twinings. By the way, they don't pay me anything for doing this. I just love Twinings. You can email us anytime at preservationoaks at gmail.com. Preservation Oaks is available for listeners on nearly all podcast platforms as well as TikTok, Facebook, Odyssey, and YouTube. Here's a brief biography of today's guest. Will Hawkins is the executive director of Historic Tuscaloosa. Previously, the Tuscaloosa County Preservation Society. He is the former director of the Tuscaloosa Museum of Art, which housed the Westervelt and Jack Warner collections of art. Will was born in Tuscaloosa and attended both the city and county schools. He attended Huntington College in Montgomery and received a BA in history. He is currently completing a master's degree in museum studies from the University of Oklahoma. Will has been married for 22 years. He and his wife have two daughters, ages 8 and 15. He's a member of the American Alliance of Museums and the Southeastern Museum Association and has served on the program's board for 10 years. Will also serves on the Tuscaloosa Symphony Board, the Murphy African American Museum Board, the Tuscaloosa Virtual Museum Board, and he's a member of several other civic groups. All right. Welcome to the program, Will. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being here today. I appreciate your time and expertise, Will. How are you doing? I can't complain much. Enjoying uh, wonderful sunny skies, 80 degrees. Happy to be out of winter finally. That's fantastic. 80 degrees. Wow, that's nice. Now, I've come to understand through reading that Tuscaloosa is a college town. How has that influenced the culture of the county? That's a great question. And I was just actually in a meeting, a roundtable discussion with our uh, local sports and tourism commission. 
who are looking to get away from the college town moniker. Yes, we are college town. University of Alabama is housed here in Tuscaloosa since about 1831. A couple of football championships, softball championships here and there. So folks probably have heard of us. It's influenced Tuscaloosa in that everybody is connected to the university, whether they attended the school there or not. Fall weekends tend to be planned around everything that happens on campus. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And you said you had a couple of basketball or something sports championships happening? Yes. Let's see. The basketball team made it to the Sweet 16 this year. They were a one seed. Somehow they got knocked out. Well, they were knocked out by the uh, Aztecs who came in second in the tournament. So we can't complain too much. Our softball team has won national championships, gymnastics, wheelchair, women's and men's, basketball, track and field, tennis, golf. You name it, we're usually competing in it, along with, you know, academic programs, competitions as well. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's why Tuscaloosa is also called the City of Champions, huh? That it is, yes. Now, I saw on your Facebook page that Historic Tuscaloosa just had a couple of great events. How'd that all go for you? Oh, wow. Um, Let's see. Our Easter egg hunt was probably our largest attended one we've had. I thought last year's, which was our first one post-pandemic, was was big. But this one sort of opened our eyes like, oh, this is actually a a big-time event now. So I think we had three, four hundred people attend and hunt Easter eggs. We hid probably 2,000-plus different uh, Easter eggs in the yard of the Battle Freeman House. Wow. Um, We also recently had our Century Club party, and that is a party we host once a year for our upper-level memberships to our society. So it's a big, it's a way of us to say thank you for being an upper-level member. Uh, we appreciate y'all. Here's what we have planned for this upcoming year, that sort of thing. So it's a Century Club. Does that mean that the membership is $100 or more, or what does that exactly mean? Uh, well, sort of. So when it became a Century Club membership level, it was a hundred dollar membership at the time. That level membership is now one hundred and seventy five dollars. I mean, it's okay. per person or couple for a year, so it's still pretty pretty reasonably priced. So we have memberships that are below that, and a handful of memberships that are above that as well. So the larger your membership fee, the most likely you are to come to the biggest party of the year. Oh, that's great! I'm glad to hear the Easter egg hunt. Two thousand eggs, man. That's yes, it's a lot of Easter eggs. It's actually one of the fundraisers that my Cameo Guild does each year. They host the annual Easter egg hunt and a 5K. Um, our Cameos are a group of uh, junior and senior high school girls that are part of our, our organization. Wow, that's got to be really rewarding to see those kids coming up and learning all this. It is. They learn, uh, obviously, the history of the five structures that we're in charge of, but also we do a great overview of the general history of Tuscaloosa, our impact on the state, the city, and numerous other historic buildings around town as well. That's pretty They, cool. they do, uh, let's see, anywhere from 1,200 to 2,000 hours of community service combined each year. So it's, it's, a, it's a commitment. No kidding. That's great. Wow. That's great that you have that support. That's excellent. And they're a bunch of good good kids. What's the history of Tuscaloosa City and County? Great question. So Tuscaloosa was incorporated December 13th, 1819, one day older than the state of Alabama was admitted to the Union. So we're technically 24 hours older than the state of Alabama. 
2019 was our bicentennial, which was a very, very busy year. I was re- it was a really fun year, but I was ready for the year to end. Lots of big events occurred that year. We were the state capital from 1826 to 1846 before it moved to its current location down in Montgomery. That's how we ended up with State Hospital for the Insane and also the State University, obviously the University of Alabama. That's fantastic. And you were the capital from 1826 to 1846. Yes, sir. We still have the capital ruins here in town. It was not burned during the Civil War, which most people in Tuscaloosa seem to think, but it was actually an electrical fire in 1926. So once the Capitol moved to Montgomery, that particular old Capitol building was then turned into a women's college. And so later on in its life, it caught on fire, burned to the ground, and local residents who were building at the time took some of the mason work that was left and incorporated it into their homes as they were being constructed. So a number of different homes in town have brick and stonework from the Capitol in, in them as well. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I wish I had some of that. So Tuscaloosa was pretty much saved during the Civil War from damage? Yes, we made it out by the skin of our teeth. Oh, cool. So Tuscaloosa actually voted to stay loyal to the Union. Taylor and Senator Jemison were our two representatives to Montgomery for the secession vote. Obviously, they lost that argument in Tuscaloosa, and the state of Alabama joined the Confederacy. So April 5th, 1865, two days before Lee's surrender at Appomattox, General Croxton and his Union Army came into Tuscaloosa, headed towards the University of Alabama, which was a military school at this point in time. Oh. It produced lots of uh, officers for the Confederacy. So Senator Jemison was hosting a wedding reception that evening at his home, and it was the only te- house, only mansion in the state that was fully lit by gaslighting. So General Croxon looks up and he goes, well, I'm going there. <laughs> uh, so he goes, yeah. So the senator runs uh, out the back door to go hide in a swamp. The mayor of the city immediately surrenders the city of Tuscaloosa to General Croxton on the front steps of the mansion, uh, reminds the general that we voted to stay loyal to the Union. We took care of our POWs best we could and pointed him directly towards the University of Alabama, where Croxton then proceeded to go and burn it to the ground while leaving the city of Tuscaloosa still standing. Oh, my goodness. Wow. You know, I think you're the second city that I have heard of that voted to stay with the Union and not go into the Confederacy. That is really a rich history. It is. Most people think of the free state of Winston in Alabama. So Winston County uh, voted to succeed from the state of Alabama when Alabama voted to to succeed from the Union. Wow. Uh, And so we had this free state of Winston that had a Confederate government and a a loyal Union government. They actually had a a loyal Union cavalry troop uh, come out of that county as well. I'll be darned. Boy, history is just rich with uh, conundrums, isn't it? It is, yeah. I have uh, a friend of mine goes, how, how can you study all this stuff? I'm like, well, I always find something new. There's always something new inside of history. Absolutely. It's wonderful. Yeah. So what's the history of the historic Tuscaloosa organization? So we were essentially founded in 1966. One of our structures, the old tavern, was due to be demolished to make way for a new bridge connecting Northport and Tuscaloosa. 
Amy Ross D. did not want to see that happen. So she gathered some folks around her table at home. They got together and said, well, we got to figure out a way to do this. So they raised the funds along with school kids and civic organizations and everybody they could get to raise money to save the old tavern. Uh, they struck a deal with the city of Tuscaloosa to get a little patch of land at Capitol Park where the ruins of the state capitol were located. And they literally picked it up and moved it two and a half, three blocks down the road, set it down in its new and current location in 1966. And that sort of was the genesis of our organization. We were known as the Tuscaloosa County Preservation Society up until last last year when we had a name change to Historic Tuscaloosa, sort of like a, a rebrand to bring us into the 21st century type of thing. Very cool. Some really civic-minded people. Yes. Thank you for that. Now, Tuscaloosa has a deep historical and complex Native American history. Does historic Tuscaloosa have any connections with the tribes from the area? We do not. We are fortunate enough that Moundville, which was one of the or largest city on the North American continent at its height, has a wonderful archaeological park there. And it's run by the University of, it's owned by the University of Alabama. It's an ongoing archaeological dig, but it also houses a, a new state-of-the-art museum. They have a ginormous, gigantic Native American festival, third week of October each year. So they do a great job of keeping the tribes back in touch here in Tuscaloosa. Oh, that's very cool. Do you have any Native American artifacts in your collection? I think we have two arrowheads. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a whole, whole bunch. I do have a, a historic marker where one of the Indian chiefs stopped and spoke to the Alabama legislature down near Capitol Park. But that's about the extent that I have. Okay, that's very cool. The cool thing about your organization is that you guys are managing and operating and caring for, in other words, preserving five historic landmarks. Can you tell us something Correct. about those? Sure. So we have the old tavern, which is uh, one of our oldest structure. It was first built in 1827, moved to its current location in 1966. It was built by William Dutton. No relation to the Yellowstone. I have to throw that in there. We also have the McGuire Strickland House, which is also housed at Capitol Park. And it is the oldest wooden structure left standing in Tuscaloosa. It was built. Uh, around 1822, 1823. Uh, it's in its second location as well uh, in order to save and preserve it. It's a part of the Capitol School, which is a Montessori school here in Tuscaloosa, and it houses four classrooms for Dr. Roundtree. And uh, it's not open to the public to tour, but you are welcome to look on the outside of the building, the wonderful architecture. Dr. Roundtree really, really doesn't like it when I bring strangers into her classrooms for some reason. I can't well, figure that out. The cool thing is you're saying this building was moved to the Capitol grounds and it was built originally in 1822 and 23 and it's still being used today to educate kids. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow, what a history. That's cool. I know. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. It's, it's the, the, the way buildings and homes can be repurposed and reused is just absolutely just, just fascinating to me. All right, so we've got a tavern, McGuire Strickland, 
Yeah. Uh, the Battle Freeman House and Gardens. Well, the first section was built in 1834. Then Mr. Battle wanted to move into town full time and he added on the back half of the house in 1844. This home is on Greensboro Avenue, which is one of the main streets in downtown Tuscaloosa. Let's see, that's where our Easter egg hunt was held just recently. And then we have the Jemison Vandegraaff Mansion. This home was completed in 1862, started construction in 1859, built by Senator Robert Jemison as his weekend town home. It was the most technologically advanced home in the entire state of Alabama, the first home to be fully lit with gas lighting and had the first fully functional indoor bathroom as well. Wow. Uh, it's rumored that he was supposed to have central heat in it as well, but he couldn't get his boiler through the blockade. And then last, we also have the Murphy Collins House, which is one of my favorites that we have. It's a wonderful 1926 bungalow, uh, and it's one of the homes that actually does have some of the old Capitol building stone in it. This home houses our local uh, African-American museum, and the artifacts uh, and history that's housed in there is absolutely fascinating. Wow, that's very cool. Now, I know each one of these locations, well, except for maybe the school, has to have artifacts or historical period artifacts in them. Is that true? Yes. So the tavern is set up as it would have looked late 1820s, early 1830s, when the Duttons were uh, still running it as a hotel slash tavern. Obviously, the McGuire Strickland house does not have any artifacts due to it being classrooms now. Battle Freeman House has family heirlooms, furniture, and such from both the Battles and the Freedmans when they were living here in the home. And then the Jemison Vandegraaff Mansion has period pieces from 1862 with a handful of Jemison antiques as well. The Murphy House houses furniture pieces from Dr. Murphy, who was the first African-American mortuist in the city slash West Alabama. And so uh, each one has a unique set of uh, artifacts. That is very cool. What are some of the key or star artifacts at each of the historic landmarks? So if listeners are listening and they want to visit one of these locations, what's like something really cool in each? Great question. So the old tavern has an original legislature desk from when we were the state capitol. And then it also has some wonderful artifacts that were found in and around Capitol Park on display. And a wonderful portrait of the governor who lived briefly out in the tavern while he was waiting for his home to be completed here in Tuscaloosa. The Murphy House houses Dr. Murphy's almost the entirety of his parlor set. So it's a period furniture from the 1920s that uh, was owned uh, by Dr. Murphy. Uh, the Battle Freeman House has, oh gosh, uh, it still actually has its dependency house, which I think is one of the cooler aspects of it. But it also has its original Fern House, which is one of the last in the state. I don't understand in, what either one of those are, a dependency house and a Fern House. Uh, the dependency house is where the original kitchen was housed for the home, and it's also where the slaves lived that uh, lived uh, and operated this particular home. Oh. And what's the Fern House? It's uh, essentially uh, a greenhouse, but that's where the battles would store their ferns in the winter uh, in order to uh, preserve them for next spring and summer. Wow. I didn't realize people did that. That's very cool. Yes. 
Uh, let's see. The uh, inside the home, we have original Battle family silver, the original baby crib, which was built by one of the slaves that lived here on the property. And you can see uh, his sort of artistic take on some of the construction of it. Uh, and then we have a complete parlor set for when the Freedmans lived here in the home. Oh, very cool. Uh, let's see. The Jemison Mansion uh, has, gosh, uh, original silver china that were used by the Jemisons and the Vandegrass when they were in the home. The, one of the favorite things in the home for me is when I have time to fully set the dining room table. Uh, it can expand out the seat 20, but we have it set for 12, and it's a full formal dining set. And I love when guests walk into that room and see the table and it just takes their breath away. You get the proverbial, and it's it makes my heart smile every single time. We went through and found contemporaries of the Jemisons who would have been over to the house for dinner parties and that sort of thing uh, and have place cards for them around the table. Uh, and so we chose everybody who everybody in town whose home is still standing is sat around the table to enjoy a fictitious meal with the Jemisons today. Wow. It's got to be a big table. It is, yes. <laughs> it takes about an hour to, to fully set the table. Holy cow. So that's really cool to see, I bet. Wow. It is. And a, a lot of kids just don't have the training on how to eat a formal meal. So if we have kids that are on the tour with us. I say kids, and, you know, younger, younger folks are on the tour. It gives me an opportunity to sort of teach them briefly how you would eat a formal meal uh, using all the different silverware that's laid out in front of you, oh, different yeah. glasses and that sort of thing. I remember reading something about that. And if you sit down, you start with the silverware at the left, uh, the far left, and you go towards the right. Is that close? Yes, that's very close. Essentially, it's uh, you work your way from the outside in, left and right. And then once you're done with that, uh, typically, if it's a formal formal dinner, your dessert silverware uh, will be at the top of your plate. And so if you, uh, the fork or spoon's a good indicator whether you're having some sort of cake and or ice cream. Wow, that's pretty cool. Got to have the right tool for every dish, right? Exactly. <laughs> now, I was trying to figure out how your organization functions administratively or from a governance perspective. You know, I'm thinking of Historic Tuscaloosa is this umbrella organization and you have five different landmarks that roll up into that. But does each of those historic landmarks have a board of directors? Some do, some do not. That's a great question. And I, every time I go to the city hall, I have to explain this. So this is not unusual. So uh, Historic Tuscaloosa owns two buildings, the Old Tavern and the McGuire Strickland House. We oversee the Battle Freeman House and the Murphy Collins House, which are technically owned by the city of Tuscaloosa. Okay. We oversee uh, daily operations, event rentals, and upkeep for those two buildings. Uh, we also oversee the Jemison Vandegraaff Mansion, which is technically owned by the Jemison Vandegraaff Foundation. I serve as a liaison uh, between the Jemison Vandegraaff Board and the Historic Tuscaloosa Board. The Murphy Collins has its own operational board. So whereas we oversee the physical structure and the upkeep of the building, they have 
uh, their own operational board, which I sit on as well, that does uh, events planning, uh, educational planning, uh, operational hours, touring of the home, and that sort of thing. So if I'm someone in Tuscaloosa or the area, and I have some object, some artifact that I think you guys would be interested in, do I contact the home or do I contact Historic Tuscaloosa and you'll guide me from there? Contact Historic Tuscaloosa and we'll guide you from there. Okay, got it. Now, how many of these homes have an admission fee or a donation required to visit them? We do not require a donation uh, and we do not charge an admission fee. Wow. Uh, we do have donation boxes set up at all the homes that are open for tours and we'll happily take anywhere from a dollar to checks with lots of zeros on the end of it. Oh, very cool. No admission fee. Oh, that is great for the kids in high school or the kids in grade school that want to come in. It's yeah. fantastic. Uh, and it's also beneficial for all the university students that come through oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Now, do you get a lot of history students from the colleges that are interns or that are just interested? Both. Actually, I'm, I'm rebuilding. I've been in the process of rebuilding bridges with the university. I've interviewed two young ladies, one for a summer internship and one for a fall internship with us. Super excited about both of those. I have uh, numerous contacts, friends and colleagues inside both uh, the history department and the art department as well. And numerous professors utilize our locations and structures from uh, an art standpoint, a historical standpoint, uh, architectural standpoints, literary standpoint. So we try and be as creative as possible to get as much exposure with the university, with the students, uh, to get folks into the houses uh, to enjoy them. Oh, that's great. I'm so glad you've got a relationship with the college. It's fantastic. So, yeah, we have a, a relationship with uh, the university, with Shelton, and with Stillman as well. Very cool. Now, I'd like to provide listeners with the contact information for Historic Tuscaloosa and the properties it preserves and operates. And then we'll go ahead and take our first break, okay? Okay. All right. So, listeners, you can visit the Historic Tuscaloosa website at historictuscaloosa.org. You can phone them at 205-758-2238 to inquire about Historic Tuscaloosa or visiting one of the historic landmark properties that they preserve and operate. You can email them at info at historictuscaloosa.org. Their mailing address is P.O. Box 1665, Tuscaloosa, Alabama 35403. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as Historic Tuscaloosa. You can visit the old tavern located at 528th Avenue in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, 35401. You can visit the Battle Friedman House located at 1010 Greensboro Avenue, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, 35401. Visit the Jemison Vandegraaff Mansion at 1305 Greensboro Avenue, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, 35401. The McGuire Strickland House is another one of the landmarks, but it's not available for regular tours because it's a school. However, sometimes they open it up for touring during the annual spring and winter homes tours. You can visit the Murphy 
African American Museum at 2601 Paul W. Bryant Drive, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, 35401, but you need to call for an appointment. Does that all sound right? Yes, sir, it does. Oh, good. Okay. All right, everybody, we'll be right back after these important messages. history on by joining, visiting, donating, and volunteering at Historic Tuscaloosa today. Historic Tuscaloosa is a nonprofit organization dedicated to preserving the Tuscaloosa area's heritage. Their mission is to develop an awareness and appreciation of the historical and cultural heritage of the communities across Tuscaloosa County. The Historic Tuscaloosa organization has been preserving and promoting Tuscaloosa County since 1966. They've enjoyed steady growth over the years and they're recognized as one of the strongest preservation groups in the southeastern United States. Learn more at historictuscaloosa.org. If you have an event or a wedding you're planning, their beautifully preserved and maintained historic landmarks are a unique and beautiful venue for your guests. Just call 205-758-2238 or send email to info at historictuscaloosa.org to get started. You'll be glad you did. Just a reminder about the holidays we celebrate annually in these United States. Armed Forces Day is to acknowledge those still in uniform. Veterans Day is for those who served and have hung up their uniform. Memorial Day is for those who never made it out of their uniform. Please teach your children to observe these days each year. Sometimes the most commonplace artifact triggers the most heartfelt memories. The museums, cultural and heritage institutions, historical and genealogical societies within our communities have responsibility for preserving these artifacts so they can be used to educate each new generation about their own past. They are the gatherers and caretakers of the stories of our history, culture, and heritage. Sharing the lessons of history fosters an understanding of the fundamental knowledge of why things work the way they do. Once armed with a knowledge of their place in history, people have a much higher success rate as they build the future. Our values and ideals are rightly influenced by those who came before us. On each episode of Preservation Oaks, our guests share key information about these core organizations and history. You'll learn about the great work they do, what their needs are, their goals, and why you can feel really competent about the future by volunteering and supporting them. Join us wherever you get your podcasts, and then follow, comment, like, and listen. Ah, humans, proud explorers, risk-takers, savvy business people, water-driven mills in days gone by, consumption and other diseases taking people way too early, robotic farming and nuclear rocket engines as well as colonies on other planets today. And in all those thousands of years humans keep making history in unique ways everywhere they live. Humans will be humans which is exactly why we have museums, historical and genealogical societies. Designed to capture your interest and tell the story of humans in counties and cities across the United States, Preservation Oaks is there to educate our listeners about these vital cultural organizations. Listen to Preservation Oaks today at preservationoaks.podbean.com. This is Sandra Bankston, the president of the Fremont County Historical Society. And I listen to Sean Thomas Radcliffe and Preservation Oaks on Microstream Radio. This is a reading of The Dash Poem by Linda Ellis. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend.
He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So, think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real. And always try to understand the way other people feel. And be less quick to anger and show appreciation more. And love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile. Remembering this special dash might only last a little while. So, when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? And now, back to Preservation Oak. Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. I'm your host, Sean Thomas Radcliffe, and we're here today with Will Hawkins, Executive Director of Historic Tuscaloosa, a historic preservation organization located in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And welcome back, Will. Happy to be back. Now, Will, can you please provide the audience with an overview of the communities you serve, the variety of your membership, and the mission and objectives of Historic Tuscaloosa? Sure. So we serve all of Tuscaloosa County, not just the city of Tuscaloosa, but we serve the entire county. All of our historic buildings are located in the city of Tuscaloosa, but we keep a database on all historic buildings in Tuscaloosa County and cemeteries and graveyards as well. So if anybody's ever building and there's a chance that it might be located on some sort of historic property, whatever, I usually get a phone call from the contractor of the city state or the county and just double check that everything is good to go and they're not going to damage anything. We have numerous levels of membership, one that fits everybody's budget, starting with a student membership is $20 a year. We have a regular 50 century club at 175. A sustaining member is 500. A junior century club is $100. And then the grand benefactor is $1,000 per year. Each level has different types of benefits and go along with it. One of the best things about becoming a member of Historic Tuscaloosa is you get first ticket dibs on any of our ticketed events that we host throughout the year. Most everything sells out through our membership, but sometimes we'll have a few spots that are open for the general public as well. Our overall purpose for Historic Tuscaloosa is to develop an awareness and appreciation of the historical and cultural heritage of Tuscaloosa County. Number of different main objectives that we have to seek to educate all citizens of the county about its heritage, 
to collect, organize, and catalog information and materials related to local heritage, to encourage and participate in the identification and preservation of old homes, buildings, and historic sites throughout Tuscaloosa County, and to promote the use and appreciation of these assets, to encourage tourism by arranging and organizing tours and pilgrimages, to involve local governments, educational institutions, and other organizations in specific projects promoting the purpose of historic Tuscaloosa. Wow. Sounds like you're busy all the time. I never have a slow day. <laughs> that is fantastic. Do you get a lot of tourists in town during like the summer season? We do. Also, the university is a big draw in the summertime for future students. And since about 52% of the student population at the University of Alabama is from out of state, and then another large percentage just from out of town, parents want to come see where their kids are going to school, uh, and that brings them into town. And we're at the top of the list, I would think, of uh, things to see and do in and around Tuscaloosa. It helps that we're located about a mile from campus, easy walking distance to get to all of our structures that are open for tours. We get a good amount of folks from uh, not only around the country, but from around the world as well. Now, do you have members around the country and around the world? Yes. I, I will say yes for around the world, because I do know I have at least one gentleman that's in the military, and he's stationed all around the world, so you never know where he is. I always enjoy hearing from him. And then I do know we have memberships all across the United States. Very cool. Now, the listeners have heard your biography as I introduced you and started the program. But can you tell the audience a little bit about your background, how you came to do what you do now? Sure. So many, many years ago, when I was still young, my plan was to be a high school history teacher and soccer coach. That plan did not go at all. So I ended up getting a BA in history from Huntington College. Really enjoyed working and managing in the restaurant field. Did that for about 15 years before I started off as a volunteer docent at the Westerville Warner Art Museum here in Tuscaloosa. They then hired me to come on staff sort of as their education slash uh, historian for the museum. And I sort of fell into working into the museum world. And how long have you been executive director? Let's see. I came on board with Historic Tuscaloosa in 2019. I was essentially the director of the Tuscaloosa Museum of Art through the Westerville Company for five or six years as well. Wow. Yeah, they're lucky to have you, sir. So I know that organizations like yours create a plan or a strategic plan every so often. Some do it once a year, some do it once every so many years. But what's coming up on the horizon for historic Tuscaloosa? Where are you headed next? Great question. So at our Century Club party, which we just had down at the Deering Swain home, we launched a new endowment fund for Historic Tuscaloosa. Oh, cool. uh, it was mine and our board's thought that we needed a stronger foundation monetarily for Historic Tuscaloosa. So working with a local group here, they helped us set up an endowment, which will give Historic Tuscaloosa a really firm foundation for decades, if not hundreds of years to come to make it a safe, secure organization to help keep all of our wonderful buildings up and open and running. Besides that, we will be hosting a number of fundraisers for specialized projects for restoration of some of the things that just need to get done inside the homes. Now, an endowment fund 
does that already have money attached to it that then gets invested and grows? Yes. So when we open the fund, we're hoping to fully cash raise the fund so we don't have to dip into any of our savings or stocks or anything like that. So we're trying to raise X amount of dollars. And then once that's done, we just funnel it directly into the endowment fund. Folks can either either call in or setting it up. It'll be uh, on, on our website. You can do it through uh, estate gifts or you can just do it now if you want to. But any way you'd like to give, we'll be happy to take it. Fantastic. So could, could somebody donate today or do they have to say, I guess is what I want to ask, this has to go to the to the endowment fund versus something else, or do you guys make that decision? Yes, we would prefer for them to state, well, I would like for this money to be used for the endowment fund or general operations or whatever that person sees. So, for instance, a couple of years ago, we had an estate gift given to the Jemison Foundation to rebuild the fence on the front of the home. And that fence never would have been built because I never would have had the money to do that without that particular estate gift. And that was the only project I could use that money for, for the rebuilding of the fence that used to be on the front of the Jemison home. And it really makes the home stand out now, I think. Oh, so, yeah, if you denote exactly what you want that money to be used for, we will use it exactly for that reason. Okay, very cool. Now, Will, apart from the five facilities that the organization operates and manages, does Historic Tuscaloosa have any exhibits or collection anywhere else in the county or in Alabama? Currently, right now, we do not. We have done exhibits in City Hall, Public Library. We have loaned artifacts out to other organizations to display in and around Tuscaloosa and around the state. Not opposed to it at all. I enjoy doing it. Uh, one of our first ones we did was we went and found historic photographs of historic buildings and homes that have been lost in Tuscaloosa and did a side-by-side -side display of what it used to look like and what's there now. Got a lot of great compliments from that when a lot of people realized, oh, so y'all really do do an important thing in around town. Because it wasn't, you know, for organizations such as mine and others, we would have square buildings on top of old stuff. No longer there, everywhere. So, right, yeah, that got yeah. that one got a lot of people talking, which I always find happy, which always makes me happy. Now, apart from your endowment fund, what's what's the funding model that supports Historic Tuscaloosa? So, our funding model uh, is is somewhat diverse. We rely uh, a lot on memberships. Not to brag, we do a pretty good job of uh, grant funding. We have a sliver of city funding that's used and then state gifts and monetary gifts and donations are the primary funders of uh, Historic Tuscaloosa. We also have event rentals. We do lots and lots of weddings at the Battle Freeman and the Jemison House. One of my favorite events that we were able to host for a group was this group of high school kids, uh, and they were all in, they're all into acting, and the young lady wanted to have a clue birthday party. Oh, my. And Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah. So, one of the local acting directors wrote a script for the Clue board game to take place inside the Jemison Mansion, oh. and it was so cool. I was like, Joey, I need a copy of this. I want to use this for a fundraising event. No kidding. That's a wonderful idea. It was so, yeah. And so, you know, I have this giant candelabra that's on the dining room table, probably weighs 30 pounds. And I'm like, well, obviously the butler did it with a candelabra in the dining room. <laughs> oh, that's great. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have event rentals. Uh, weddings, birthday parties, Christmas parties. Another cool one was 
a wife rented out the old tavern for her husband, who is a huge Harry Potter fan. Okay. And it may be perfect backdrop for some wizardy wizarding stuff at, at Capitol Park. And it was a really pretty setup. That's nice. Now, do you use volunteers to take care of the weddings and corporate events in the buildings? Because they've got to be like spot on clean. And, you know, for a wedding, there's a lot of work. Right. Yeah, there, are, there is a lot of work. So uh, typically at the Battle and Jim, at Battle Freeman and Jemison houses, uh, the event rental will include uh, space. Tables, chairs, and linens, depending on what package you get, depends on how many tables, chairs, and linens that comes with the package. I'm fortunate that I have a cleaning lady uh, that does the Jemison Mansion, and she's been there for, gosh, I don't know how many years now. And then I have a former cameo girl who opened up her own business, Cleaning Houses, who takes care of the Battle Freeman House for us. Uh, And they both do a fantastic job. So for the event itself, I have uh, a part-time events person who is uh, there on site for events. Uh, if it's a larger event, I'll come in with her. and We'll work the event together. She feels like she needs help. Uh, but most times, I'll just swing by, check in, make sure everything's going fine. Uh, most people are really, really easy to work with. They understand the do not touch and that sort of thing. And we'll, we'll put some of the more fragile and breakable things away in closets and, and places. But yeah. uh, for the most part, everybody's pretty well behaved. That is really great that you have those great people. Yeah, I, can, I could not do this without my staff. It's myself and, and three, well, two part-time young ladies uh, and one college student who does tours for us three days a week. And they are all absolutely, you know, my lifesavers. Wow, that's great. Now, what kind of fundraising activities or opportunities does Historic Tuscaloosa offer? So uh, we have a couple of main fundraising events each year. Uh, we have our uh, annual Easter egg hunt uh, and we have our annual Heritage 5K. 5K takes place in downtown Tuscaloosa and it's an unofficial event. So you can use that 5K to qualify for other larger races around the state. We have the route set up to where you run past most of the historic structures in the main downtown area, which makes for a very pretty run. Last year, we hosted our very first annual progressive dinner, which was fantastic. Nice. Uh, we utilized the old tavern, the Battle Freeman, and the Jemison House and started uh, started with hors d'oeuvres and refreshments at the tavern with a little live music. Then we moved to the Jemison for the main, main dinner uh, and finished the evening with light beverages and dessert at the Battle Freeman House. Huge success. Yeah, nice. Uh, raised enough money. To have the chimneys at the Battle Freeman House all repointed and taken care of. And that project should be getting started within the next week and a half or so. Uh, my uh, contractor is just waiting on the specialized mortar for the home to come in. So the Progressive Dinner is now going to be an annual event. Our Ramble, which we take out of town each year to a different location. Most years, we sort of stay within the state of Alabama and just make it a day trip. But this year... We are heading down to Louisiana and staying at uh, Nottaway Plantation. If you're not familiar, outside of New Orleans, in between New Orleans and Baton Rouge along the Mississippi, there are some marvelous historic homes. One of the Nottaway is actually uh, now a hotel that you're able to stay at. So we'll be staying at Nottaway and uh, we'll be visiting Puma's House, Oak Alley, Puma's House, Oak Alley Plantation, Rosedown Plantation. 
and Laurel Plantation, which is the Creole Plantation down there. All of these are knockouts within their own right. And I'm, I'm so super excited to get in to go see all four of those. We also have other events that take place throughout the year, but they're not necessarily fundraiser. They're just events to get people talking about and thinking about us. One of those is our summer lecture series. So that runs June, July, August, and sometimes September, if I can find a fourth speaker. And typically, it's uh, a, a lecture on something that relates to uh, the, either the history of Tuscaloosa or Alabama or something interesting. For instance, the only one we got to have in 2019, if I remember correctly, was on the history of barbecue in Alabama. Oh, cool. I was starving by the time uh, that was done. <laughs> and that particular gentleman uh, is now researching a book on the history of bacon. And I said, if you ever need help, just give me a call and I'll be happy to go eat bacon with you. Wow. <laughs> uh, this year, I have three set. One of the topics is on the 1887 map of Tuscaloosa, uh, which is pretty well known here and around Tuscaloosa. And another was is on the first national championship football team and its impact on Tuscaloosa and the New South when the University of Alabama defeated the University of Washington, if I remember correctly. Oh, cool. And my third lecturer hasn't decided on his topic yet. He said he'll let me know as soon as he figures it out. But then also we have our annual holiday open house. So all five of our historic buildings would be decorated for Christmas and open for the public to come in and see. The Battle Freeman and Jemison are... Uh, decorated by local garden clubs who come in and bring fresh greenery into the homes uh, and decorate it and make me look just absolutely fantastic. Wow. Let's see, the Jemison has a 15-foot tree. The Battle Freeman has a 10-foot tree. The Old Tavern is decorated by a local artist and Katie Self, who does the gardening uh, for fun outside of the tavern. The McGuire Strickland House is decorated by the students, and the Murphy Collins House is decorated by members of the Murphy Collins Museum. And that's one of my funnest, uh, most fun events every year because the homes just look absolutely fantastic. Oh yeah, you got some some great people working there on your behalf. Yes, I do, and it takes it takes a team to do this. They are amazing, amazing people. Now, Will, what kind of work does Historic Tuscaloosa do with school children? That's a great question. So during the pandemic, I went through with my team and we were able to build out an online tour through our website so school kids could still come and virtually see our two homes. It was built around the state uh, curriculum for fourth grade and 10th grade levels uh, for Alabama history. And so teachers could then utilize that in their planning for students to tour these homes. And then uh, there's some questions that are attached to it. And I have answer sheets that can be easily sent off to the teachers as well. So that was our that was one of our, our feathers in our hat. Um, both the directors of uh, the city and county schools were uh, very happy that I reached out and said, hey, y'all use this, it's free. We just put it, put it together and built it for y'all. And numerous teachers afterwards came up to me and thanked me in the community. Like, oh, by the way, I used your stuff on, online when we were all at home. Well, great. I hope you enjoyed it. And they did, of course. Those are great. So we also offer school tours for any grade level. I can customize a tour for any home that's open to the public uh, for whatever purpose that teacher would like to come and visit. So if you would like a straight historical tour, we can do a straight history tour, architectural tour, art tour, 
just want to get out of the classroom and take my kids somewhere so I don't have to watch them 100% of the time tour, we can do that too. So, Very cool. Yeah, lots of opportunities for parents and schools. Yes. Very yes. Nice. Now, do you guys publish a newsletter at all? We do publish a newsletter. A long time ago, it was four issues each year. We're down to two issues, one uh, one at the beginning of the year, one late in the year. Um, we're starting to move it all online. The cost of paper production is just getting ridiculous. So we started asking our members if they would prefer an email version or a hard copy version. If they don't let us know, they'll only receive the email version. But they will also streamline the process of putting it together uh, and getting it uh, disseminated. And then once uh, you know it's published, we'll put it up on our website as well for anybody else to see. Very cool. How does the organization keep the community informed about the progress of Historic Tuscaloosa in achieving its mission, its plan for the year? We try and keep a heavy face on um, our social media, pushing out information, general announcements. Uh, it was a lot easier to do general announcements when we had you know, a functioning newspaper, but those seem to be dying off as well, which we recently found a full year's worth, I want to say it's 1896 or 1897 yeah. of the newspaper that was being published here in Tuscaloosa in our archive. I was like, oh, well, that's cool. But yeah, we just try try and keep our name out there, try and keep uh, some spotlight on us in a good way, try and help out with other civic organizations. Like I'll reach out and I'll, I'll go speak to Rotary Clubs, I'll host stuff for other nonprofit organizations that are looking for it inexpensive place to host something that they're having. And it just, you know, gets people into the homes, gets people talking about the homes. It usually helps with membership a little bit. And it's just a nice way that we can help other organizations as schools and they reach out and ask for their help as well. Fantastic. You're an incredible guy, Will. It's a pleasure talking to you. I've enjoyed this. This has been fantastic. What kinds of records or historical artifacts has Historic Tuscaloosa received as donations from the public? Oh, goodness gracious, where to start? So years ago, when we first were organized back in 1966, a vast majority of everything that's in the tavern was donated by uh, local citizens to sort of open up the house, the, what's now considered a house museum. Each structure has had donations from families that have lived inside of them. Uh, so all of them have something in them that were owned and used by the owners of those particular houses. Each has unique pieces in them that uh, sort of set themselves apart from the others. Very cool. Thank you for that. You're welcome. How many artifacts do you have in your collections? Thousands. So depending on how you categorize, each home has thousands of pieces in them, uh, counting um, all of the silverware, all of the paintings, all of the furniture pieces, all of the knickknacks that are sitting out, picture frames. You, yeah, so... Thousands and thousands and thousands. They're all well categorized and uh, cataloged because uh, the insurance companies really like <laughs> really like that. I've come to find out. Oh yeah, are you using past perfect software? Yes. Okay. Cool. Does Historic Tuscaloosa have curators and registrars and archivists? That's me, as well as director landscaping if need be, uh, rodent removal, climbing under the house, and you name it. Most of it runs through my desk, and uh, I actually keep a pair of blue jeans, a t-shirt, and a pair of tennis shoes in my office uh, in case I'm in a suit and we need to change. Wow, you're doing it all. That's a lot of work. We, that is a whole lot of work. 
Um, a lot of folks don't realize everything that we do. So when somebody comes in and we accept a donation from them, we have the paperwork for the donation to give them and do all of that stuff. Then, you know, you have to, you know, register it, take pictures of it, categorize it, catalog it, see if any restoration work needs to be done on it, spruce it up. Then you figure out, okay, so we have this piece. Where do we want to display this piece? How do we want to display this piece? What story does this piece tell us? So all of these different things that people just think, you know, happen, have a format to them. And most like large institution, it takes curators, registrars, and archivists. They all work together to produce this final product. And all of that's either done by myself or with the, mostly and with the help of uh, my two part-time staff. Yeah, you need some volunteers helping you with that for sure. I do have some volunteers, but uh, most of my board members are still working full-time. Uh, so they have their full-time gig that they have to do. But uh, I have a fantastic board who can move the stars and the galaxy if need be for us. Oh. But a lot of them just aren't comfortable doing some of that work because they've never been trained. And I can train you. Uh, but I do have some some other fantastic volunteers. I have my silver volunteers, and they'll come in with a bottle of wine, and we'll polish silver and gossip. Oh, excuse me, not gossip, talk <laughs> history. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I have lots of volunteers, but some of the uh, more museum-y type stuff, if you will, is, is handled by myself and my staff. Yeah, because you need somebody who's actually trained to be a curator, an archivist, or a registrar, or all three, to make sure that that stuff is stored properly and accessible and preserved. Correct, yeah. And so, um, gosh, when Historic Tuscaloosa took over operations of the Battle Freeman home around 1967, 1968, uh, the basement was used sort of as a catch-all. Well, we don't know where to put, put this. I'll just go put it in the basement of the Battle for Even. Right. So we cleaned it out recently within the last year or so and found files dating back to our origins in 1966. Wow. I was going to ask you that question, whether each of the five historic landmarks has an archival artifact collection storage area. We have one main storage Center, most of our artifacts are out on display. We have a few that stay put away. Most of them are always out on display, except when we have events. Uh, and like the more valuable, uh, more breakable pieces will get put away in, in a special storage section. But, uh, so fortunately, most of it stays out and, and functioning. Um, I had a mentor years ago who's like, well, what's the point of having all, all these wonderful things if you're not going to use them? Yeah. So we, you know. We use them as as they would have been used for the most part, but yeah, it's it can get complicated real fast sometimes. But it, we try to keep it simple. Yeah, absolutely. Now I know you have weddings and rentals and you know landscaping and just a number of things. You must use a lot of volunteers. Yes, we use uh, as many volunteers as I can get my hands on. One of my favorites is Katie Self. Her and her husband retired here to Tuscaloosa a few years ago, and they moved from Florida. Uh, they had a wonderful home there with a wonderful yard and garden, except they moved into a condo here in Tuscaloosa and said, I need a garden. Uh, so she came to us and said, hey, can I build out a garden around the old tavern? And uh, the previous director was like, yeah, sure, I can give you a budget of $200 a year. And so that covers like seeds and bulbs and that sort of thing. So she started off. Uh, with a wonderful little flower garden in the back. 
And she's then done her own research and is now transferring it over more to more of a vegetable garden of what probably was being grown in the back of the tavern in 1827 when it was built uh, that Miss Dutton would have used in her everyday cooking. So it's becoming more of a historical garden in the back and away from a flower garden, which I think is absolutely fascinating because I'll go over and visit with her and she goes, oh, here's a tomato. Here's this vegetable. Here's this. And I'll go home and use it in whatever I'm cooking for supper <laughs> that night. It's absolutely delicious. Oh, very cool. So beyond all of that, what kind of volunteer opportunities does Historic Tuscaloosa have for members and the public? Great question. So we're still working on digitizing our archives. Uh, we had a pretty extensive archival collection. Um, we're probably one third of the way through it. Uh, so if anybody has a scanner or if uh, they have access to a really large, maybe industrial size scanner for some of the stuff that needs to be scanned, I'm looking for help in digitizing all of our archival collections. So when people come into our archives, they can do a computer search instead of thumbing through filing cabinets, which would make life a whole lot easier for said person and me when we're doing research for people to help them. Do you do genealogical research? Um, I've done my own genealogical research for my own family. Our local library has a wonderful genealogy, genealogy society, which I think I'm scheduled to speak with them sometime soon. I just mentioned it. I need to look at the calendar. And they'll, they'll help with doing genealogy research. I can help with more research on uh, historic properties and historic areas of Tuscaloosa. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, if anybody wants to come in and learn how to do guided tours for us, we're more than happy to have you come in and do that. You don't have to do all three houses. If you just want to focus on one particular house, that's fine as well. So listeners, if you're in the area, if you're anywhere close to Tuscaloosa, please support the Historic Tuscaloosa organization and go and volunteer. Now, how does Historic Tuscaloosa interface with other organizations in the area, state, county, regional, like museums and historical societies? Yes, good question. So we are members of the Alabama Museum Association, uh, the Southeastern Museum Conference. Before COVID, we had a informal local organization of local museum museums that would get together once a month, once a quarter, behind cheese and crackers and just talk. What's going on? How are y'all doing? What do y'all have coming up? How would you solve this problem that I have? How would you how would you do this? That sort of thing. I'm trying to get that re-going and redone. Uh, I thought it was a great just local resource yeah. uh, for us museum folks, nerds as we as we are. But then uh we're also uh plugged into state societies um as well through either the state of Alabama or just larger organizations such as Daughters of the American Revolution and that sort of thing. I was reading online that there's a Tuscaloosa Historic Preservation Commission. Do you integrate with them at all? Sort of. So that Tuscaloosa has 14 historic districts recognized by the city of Tuscaloosa. So that commission oversees all of the buildings homes and buildings in those historic districts. So if you'd like to change something on the exterior of your home or on the exterior of your property, you have to go in front of that commission and have uh, a zoning zoning variance approved for you. I know most of the, personally know most of the people that serve on that commission. A couple of them actually serve on a couple of the boards that I serve on as well. 
So folks, I get phone calls all the time with folks looking for the uh, Preservation Commission, not realizing that we're two separate organizations slash entities. But they'll call and I'll give them advice and then they can call the Historic Preservation Commission and see exactly what they need to do as well. Fantastic. Will, it's time for us to take a break for a few minutes. Okay. All right, listeners, we'll be right back. Remember that feeling of wonder when you learned something fascinating about the past for the very first time? Historic Tuscaloosa is bringing the past back to life for you and your family. They preserve and provide Tuscaloosa County with very interesting and unique historic landmarks that people can enjoy, share, and use. Their goals are to preserve and celebrate the rich history and culture of Tuscaloosa County to educate the community about the preserved historic structures and sites, to promote tourism for the county, and to serve Tuscaloosa County. Be a part of the action by visiting, volunteering, and supporting Historic Tuscaloosa. Learn more at historictuscaloosa.org. If you have an event or a wedding you're planning, their beautifully preserved and maintained historic landmarks are a unique and beautiful venue for your guests. Just call 205-758-2238 or send email to info at historictuscaloosa.org to get started. Visit, donate, volunteer, and become a member today. Your family and community will be enriched by your involvement and support. Thank you. Nine out of ten historians agree, Preservation Oaks is the best podcast on the internet. <laughs> All right, all right. This is my public broadcasting voice. You're listening to Preservation Oaks on MicroStream Radio. Preservation Oaks is your source for information about museums, cultural heritage, preservation, historical, and genealogical societies across the United States. Listen at preservationoaks.podbean.com. Ha! Pretty good, huh? You know what to do. This is Jim Gerson, the program coordinator of the Condé Charlotte Museum in Mobile, Alabama. I had a lot of fun as a guest on Preservation Oaks. This is Dale Granley, the vice president of Douglas County Historical Society in Roseburg, Oregon. And I enjoyed being a guest on Preservation Oaks with Sean Radcliffe. How much excitement can you fit into a program? Preservation Oaks is full of possibilities and with plenty of value and unique information. You can feel good about supporting your favorite society. Preservation Oaks has a wide range of guests, so pack your mind with your history. Thank you for listening to Preservation Oaks. This is Ann Rollins from the Old Fort Genealogical Society, and I listen to Sean Thomas Radcliffe and Preservation Oaks on MicroStream Radio. This is a reading of the 23rd Psalm for genealogists. Genealogy is my pastime, I shall not stray. It maketh me to lie down and examine half-buried tombstones. It leadeth me into still courthouses, it restoreth my ancestral lineage. It leadeth me into the paths of census records, and ships passenger lists for my ancestral namesake. Yes, though I wade through the shadows of research libraries and microfilm readers, 
I shall fear no discouragement, for a strong desire is with me. The curiosity and motivation, they comfort me. It demandeth preparation of storage space, for the acquisition of countless documents. It anointeth my head with burning midnight oil, my unintuffle report runneth over. Surely birth, marriage and death dates, shall validate my lineage all the days of my life. And I shall abide as a family historian forever. And now, back to Preservation Oak. Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. We're here today with Will Hawkins, who is the Executive Director of Historic Tuscaloosa, a not-for-profit preservation organization located in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Will, we've learned so much. Thanks again for the information you provided to our audience about Historic Tuscaloosa. Let's pick up where we left off, and welcome back. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. What kind of things are available to do on Historic Tuscaloosa's website? By the way, you have a wonderful website. It, it is well done, and I really liked it. Thank you very much. Um, that was one of um, the first projects I took on uh, when I came on board in 2019. The website then looked like it was built in 1997. It was very clunky, very old. Antiques, if you will. I guess for IT terminology, it's very antiques. So I reached out to the university. Uh, of Alabama, and they had a class that was looking for projects uh, for nonprofits to take on. And I was like, oh, I have one. And so I had this little group of students. I think it was seven or eight of them. They were members of this particular class. And they're like, what do you need? It's like, I need a new website. And I need it inexpensive. And I need it easy to upgrade and update. Cool. I'm old. Make it idiot-proof. And they said, no problem. And they built our wonderful website for us. It's inexpensive. Anybody can afford this thing. And it's streamlined, it's beautiful, it's got great graphics, and I absolutely love it. So thank you for that compliment. You are welcome. So there's lots to do on our website. You can donate on our website. You can uh, give to our new endowment fund on our website. You can become a member on our website. You can look at the properties uh, for event space rentals on the website. You can do an online virtual tour if you're in uh, Alaska. Or Germany, and you just don't have time to take a trip to Tuscaloosa, you can visit us uh, that way as well. And you can also schedule group tours through our website. Yeah, it's a great website. Great looking, great functionality. I highly recommend everybody go there. Okay, thank you for that, Will. Thank you for the compliment. That makes my heart happy. Can you tell the audience about any current initiatives or needs of Historic Tuscaloosa that you want the people of your area to know about and support? Yes. So we always have needs with Historic Tuscaloosa. If you're a homeowner, you always know something is going wrong uh, or needs to be fixed in your house. We have five of those. And then ours are all very old houses as well. So the needs are always ongoing. Right. Uh, there's always something that needs to be fixed. Uh, there's always something that's just not quite right. Uh, plus, there are things that just need to get done to spruce up the place. For instance, the Battle Freeman House 
had some water issues and a couple of the rooms just need to be completely repainted. That costs money. Uh, the wallpaper upstairs in the bridal suite for at the Battle Freeman home, I think was put in in 1994. It's awful. I want to replace that. Um, and those are just, you know, little needs, but there's all, you know, larger needs as well. Helping with our new endowment funds, helping with re-landscaping something in front of one of the properties, major undertakings. I think we have one or two more roofs that still need to be replaced in the next five to 10 years. So that will be a major uh, undertaking as well. One of the best ways to help is to become a member. Uh, so I have an annual amount of, of you of you giving to us and helping us, but you can also come out uh, and volunteer and help us that way as well. Very cool. Thank you for all that. I hope listeners will take advantage of helping you with some of those priorities. Now, what are your thoughts about how best to keep history and community support flourishing for the current generation, the K through 12 kids? That's a fantastic question. I think I can answer that well, as I have two of uh, two kids of my own that are in that age bracket. Keeping it fresh and interesting. When I have younger kids on, coming on tours with us, the parents are usually sort of hesitant and it's like, don't touch, don't touch. And, you know, I sort of get down on their level. I'm a tall person, so I usually get down on like a knee or something along those lines. And I'm talking to the kid. I'm like, this is, you know, how they did dating back in the 1800s. It's a little different from today, right? Today, you get a text message saying, hey, what's up? Back then, it wasn't quite like that. And so we'll go in. I have this wonderful courting study at the Battle Freeman house where I'll I'll sit in the middle and I'll have mom and dad or the, the child and mom or the dad on the other side of me and we'll go through a whole dating scenario of how it was back then and they walk away going oh wow it was drastically different back then but it's still not that different than than today at the same time but keeping it it's sort of relating how today is not that far different than how it was then we can make jokes about stuff how it was then like everybody only bathing once a month or so right out of course right it's always get a good chuckle out of that. Most of the little boys that come on tours with us like, oh, I would love to only take a bath once a month. <laughs> and all the little girls are going gross. So, it, you know, it all works out. But I just trying to keep it fun for them. History isn't just, you know, dates and figures. It's, you know, the stories of these people that, that lived in these homes, that built these homes. For instance, like when Alfred built the Battle Freeman house, he built it as a weekend town home and he decided he wanted to move into town full time. And his wife was all, you know, that's cool and all, but you're going to have to put an addition on the house if you want me to come with you. So he had to put basically build an entire another house on the back of his original house. Wow. You know, it's just things like that, you know, not much different than a conversation that would happen in today's house. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Yes, sir. I meant to ask you earlier what Tuscaloosa stood for or where did the name come from? Great question. So uh, Chief Tuscaloosa was a Muscogee Indian chief who was the only one that came close to defeating Hernando de Soto in his Spanish exploration in the southeastern portion of the United States. Chief Tuscaloosa was said to be a giant of a man, stood well over six feet tall, is said, and was probably close to 200 pounds. So you can imagine back in 1500 how that would have looked to any Spanish conquistadors and or the Native Americans living yeah. in the area as well. Uh, so that's where Tuscaloosa takes its name from. Uh, the city wasn't always called Tuscaloosa. Oh. Uh, we were Matildaville 
at one point, which I'm kind of glad we didn't keep. Uh, that was named after one of our early uh, citizens' uh, wife. Uh, we were also known as uh, Shellyville or Shelbyville from the freshwater mussels that used to grow in the Black Warrior River, which runs through the city. Uh-huh. So, uh, but we ended up with Tuscaloosa spelled a myriad of different ways and finally settled on T-U-S-C-A-L-O-O-S-A. Oh, very cool. Thank you for that. You're I, I wondered about that. Now, you've got a lot of different contact information, which we went through, but what's the best way for people to connect with someone in historic Tuscaloosa if they have questions and they need a response fairly quickly? Our phone number is usually the quickest way. We're in the office Tuesday through Friday, 9 to 5. Uh, that's the 205-758-2238. Or you can email us at info at historictuscaloosa.org. Okay, thanks. Just to give you an opportunity in case something has occurred to you, is there any other information or message you'd like the community or members to know about? Support us. We're here for the community. We can't do this without your your local support, without your memberships, without your volunteers. If you came to our Easter egg hunt recently, if you're one of the few hundred people that came and enjoyed that, become a member so we can keep doing wonderful events like that. Uh, Become a member or donate your time to help us with the holiday open house. We can't have these wonderful places where I've seen countless prom pictures taken, dance pictures taken, wedding pictures taken. Uh, these are, are done on uh, our front lawns, and we love people to come and do that, but we can't have those things and do those things without without support. Well said. Thank you, Will. Thank you. Now, Will, reflecting just a bit, how do you think your members, volunteers, and the community view you and Historic Tuscaloosa in terms of benefits and value? Great question. In terms of uh, members and volunteers, I would like to think uh, that they would say uh, we're invaluable. Uh, without us, a lot of uh, historic Tuscaloosa and things in Tuscaloosa would be lost. I was born and raised in Tuscaloosa, moved away for a while, ended up coming back to Tuscaloosa. And just like when uh, Coach Bryant says, Mama calls, Mama calls, and you, and you come home. Uh, Tuscaloosa is home. And without some of these old buildings, old streets, and old neighborhoods, without the history of this place, Tuscaloosa wouldn't be home, as we all know Tuscaloosa is today. It's the community that makes Tuscaloosa so great. We have so many fantastic community members, uh, different areas of the community spread out all across Tuscaloosa that are unique and bring such value to Tuscaloosa and make us a city of champions. I can't say enough about the Tuscaloosa community and how wonderful they are. Yeah, it's beautiful. I encourage all the listeners, go on to your favorite map app and just look at Tuscaloosa on the street view. It's just beautiful. Look at some of these properties. You'll want to visit very soon. Will, thank you for spending the time with us today. It's been a pleasure to meet you and learn more about Historic Tuscaloosa's truly inspiring mission, volunteer opportunities, and how you're preserving the history of Tuscaloosa on behalf of the people of the area. Thank you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And with that, we'll end our time with our guest, Will Hawkins, the Executive Director of Historic Tuscaloosa. Listeners, please stay tuned for my comments and wrap-up, which is coming up next.
Hey, welcome back. Historic Tuscaloosa oversees and operates five historic buildings in Tuscaloosa County. These include the Old Tavern, the McGuire Strickland House, which houses a portion of the Capitol School, the Battle Friedman House and Gardens, the Murphy Collins House, which houses the Murphy African American Museum, and the Jemison Van de Graaff Mansion. First, I want to give a shout out to the Cameo Club members who take the time to do community service that improves the lives of the people of Tuscaloosa. It's great that you all make the 5K and the annual Easter egg hunt successful. I know there are many people across the county who really appreciate the work you do, and I hope that as you go forward into the future, you're able to stay close to what you've experienced and accomplished being a member of the Cameo Club. I really enjoyed my time with Will Hawkins. Will is very well qualified, a really well-grounded communicator in history, and you can tell that he loves Tuscaloosa. Historic Tuscaloosa is preserving and operating these five historic landmarks which represent the history of the city and the county. How lucky you all are in Tuscaloosa to have this focus on preservation. It's amazing to me that Tuscaloosa has preserved the longest standing wooden structure in the area, and more importantly, that it's still functional and used today for the good of the community. The most pressing priorities of Historic Tuscaloosa are, number one, the startup of the endowment fund. Please give what you can to support this, as this will ensure the preservation of your Tuscaloosa history into the future. Then there's ongoing maintenance of the five properties. The organization recently completed an event which brought in funds allowing the repointing of the chimneys at one of the homes. Maintenance never ends, so please give what you can to help. Historic Tuscaloosa is seeking volunteers to help complete digitization of their document archives. If you got a scanner or if you can help, please do. The organization is seeking volunteers who like to work with people to provide guided tours of the homes for visitors from all across the United States. You'll have a lot of fun doing that and I hope you sign up. I learned that the organization also has a lot of fun. There's an annual holiday open house, a ramble, and many different lectures and events throughout the year. This season, the Ramble will take people who join to Louisiana to tour several different plantations. Sounds like a fantastic trip. If you want to join, please connect with Historic Tuscaloosa. The organization does a lot of work with the children of Tuscaloosa to help educate them about the history of Tuscaloosa and provide opportunities for them to participate in events and to have fun doing so. Historic Tuscaloosa is supported primarily by donations and volunteers. Please help support them. Will reviewed the priorities and funding particulars of Historic Tuscaloosa so you know where the funds are going and what the priorities are and that it's all for a good cause. Oh, and it's tax deductible. It's been an honor learning more about Historic Tuscaloosa and what you all are doing there in the county to preserve and share your history which we must not forget, is a day older than the state of Alabama. By the way, Will, I think Colonel Mustard did it with the candelabra in the library. I don't think there's any doubt that historic Tuscaloosa, located in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, is truly one of our nation's preservation oaks. Now, if questions occur to you and you'd like more information, please connect with Historic Tuscaloosa via the contact information provided. If you're a listener in the area Historic Tuscaloosa serves, 
and you're not already a member, please consider joining and supporting Historic Tuscaloosa. I hope this information helps the audience understand how valuable Historic Tuscaloosa is to the community and what kinds of excellent services and opportunities they have to offer to their members and the public. Now, I'd like to provide listeners with the contact information for Historic Tuscaloosa and the properties it preserves and operates. All right, so listeners, you can visit the Historic Tuscaloosa website at historictuscaloosa.org. You can phone them at 205-758-2238 to inquire about Historic Tuscaloosa or visiting one of the historic landmark properties that they preserve and operate. You can email them at info at historictuscaloosa.org. Their mailing address is P.O. Box 1665, Tuscaloosa, Alabama 35403. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as Historic Tuscaloosa. You can visit the old tavern located at 528th Avenue in Tuscaloosa, Alabama 35401. You can visit the Battle Friedman House located at 1010 Greensboro Avenue, Tuscaloosa, Alabama 35401. Visit the Jemison Vandegraaff Mansion at 1305 Greensboro Avenue, Tuscaloosa, Alabama 35401. The McGuire Strickland House is another one of the landmarks, but it's not available for regular tours because it's a school. However, sometimes they open it up for touring during the annual spring and winter homes tours. You can visit the Murphy African American Museum at 2601 Paul W. Bryant Drive, Tuscaloosa, Alabama 35401, but you need to call for an appointment. Okay, that's a wrap for this episode. Music used today is from Anthem of Rain, Andy Gray, Lumen Media, iBroccoli, Orchestralis, Scott Holmes, and Symbolbird. Microstream Radio is a registered trademark. You can visit us at www.microstreamradio.com. This broadcast is owned and copyrighted by Microstream Radio. It cannot be rebroadcast, downloaded, copied, or used anywhere without the written permission of Microstream Radio. Thanks everyone for listening. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. See you all next time on the next episode of Preservation Oaks. And until then, keep on giving and keep on living the good life.